Because Quidditch and Legos are enough for one episode, this is MuggleCast episode 243 for November 17th, 2011. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 243. This is a special episode. We have two interviews conducted over the past week. One by Keith, actually, right? In in New York, Micah? Yeah, Keith Hawk uh, was uh, with a number of the MuggleNet staff, including myself, at the Quidditch World Cup, which took place at Randall's Island. Cool. And who won the cup, by the way? Well, no surprise. Middlebury College <laughs> won their <laughs> fifth consecutive Quidditch World Cup. Uh, but they did lose their first game ever. So they uh, had been completely undefeated. They, yeah, never lost a match. I don't know what their official record is, but they had never lost a match in five years. They, of course, are the founding institution of Quidditch, uh, Muggle Quidditch anyway, and they lost their first match on Saturday to uh, Michigan. Okay, so that was wow. the big news of the day uh, on Saturday, but uh, they got it back together on uh, on Sunday and made their way through the playoffs and, of course, defeated... Uh, the University of Florida for the Quidditch World Cup. Guys, cool. I was just thinking they have to be the least interesting team to follow if they're always winning. I mean, well, and the most rewarding team to follow. But here you have a team that started the game, you know, started the the college Quidditch, and they're so good at it that they never lose. I don't know how Quidditch ever got off the ground like that. <laughs> like, it, right? Because wasn't it everybody else who wanted to be a part of it? They lost, you know. They, they came in and... Yeah, but I, but I think if you look around at just the number of people that were there, both from a team standpoint, they had close to 100 teams from four different countries, uh, Canada, the United States, Finland, and Australia. And Those were the four the, countries? Those were the four countries. And you know, just a number of different uh, colleges throughout uh, the U.S. were represented. I mean, you would look around, you'd see... Uh, Franklin and Marshall, you would see Syracuse, you would see Michigan, you would see Penn State. All these schools were represented in, you know, Arizona State battling SUNY Geneseo. I mean, I don't even think you'd ever get that in a normal uh, college uh, matchup. So, you know, in any other sport I'm referring to. And, and it is a serious sport. People take this very, very seriously. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, uh, Andrew, uh, you went last year and and so did I, and we we kind of experienced it for the first time. And you know, you go into it thinking, well, you know, how much am I really going to enjoy this? Is it really that of of an intense sport? You know, what am I going to see? And I think you know, you have to go into it with an open mind because what you experience is something completely different, I think, than what you'd expect to experience. Yeah, no, I was I was really impressed uh, last year, and and I'm I was sad I couldn't go this year. Okay, so before we get into the first interview, we'd like to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering a free audiobook so you can try out their amazing service. One audiobook to consider is Inheritance, 
Book 4 in the Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Polini. It was just released, and you Aragon fans out there will not want to miss the finale. So why not get it for free and listen to it just like you do MuggleCast? To do so, or to grab any book of your choice, visit audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. We thank Audible for their support of the show. Here now is Keith's interview. All right, MuggleNet Snitch Center here, and this is the second day of the Quidditch World Cup. But right now, I am with Matthew Ziff. Matthew Ziff is a player for the University of Miami. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. I'm a junior at UM and studying industrial engineering, and I'm a beater and a seeker. I've been since the beginning of uh, UM's um, Muggle Quidditch, and just we're having fun. And How did you guys do so far this week? Right now, we're 3-0. Um, with our average scoring being over 100 points. Uh, and we're going up against Vassar right now, and we're hoping to take take it all home. I, I heard a rumor, okay, I don't know if it's true, that you have a movie coming out this Thursday. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I'm an actor. I have a movie coming out on Thursday called Hard Flip. It's premiering in L.A. It's a skateboarding movie with John Schneider and Rosanna Arquette. Uh, and <laughs> hey, what part are you playing? I am playing um, one of the main character's brother. It's kind of like a cross between a, like an inspirational and a sports movie. So it's going to be, it's, we had a lot of fun. It's going to be a really good movie. I think. Uh, the movie is premiering Thursday in L.A. It's called Hard Flip, and it should be in theaters uh, coming up pretty soon. So. That's great. Now, you heard it right here on Mullen Night Snitch Center, second day of the live World Quidditch Cup. Fifth annual Quidditch Cup here in Randall's Island, New York. Matt Ziff with the University of Miami coming out with a movie. All right, we are on field four, getting ready for the UCLA Middlebury match, which is at 5 o'clock here the first day Saturday. And I am with Asher king Abramson. Uh Asher, how's it been going so far today? Uh, it's been great so far. We beat Vasa from Finland uh, by, I think it was 200 points or so, and then we've beaten Yale uh, 60 to 40. So... We're looking forward to this. It's going to be an epic match. It's going to be amazing. So Vassar comes all the way from Finland and you destroyed him by 200 points. What kind of uh, statement are you trying to send back there? Well, we love them as people. We love that they play Quidditch. Uh, I think we show them that we, you know, I think with experience they'll get better. Uh, but we were happy to play them, and I think we sent a message. Well, I'm glad they're over here because it's nice to have some international teams over here. But let's get back into the Middlebury match. Middlebury plays a little bit different technique than UCLA does. Um, Middlebury has more of a passing game. UCLA a little bit more big, strong, you know, fast game. So how are you looking to take on Middlebury on this game? Uh, we're definitely, yeah, uh, you, you hit it on the nose. We're looking at their passing game. They're very good at uh, dropping off passes to each other, you know, making good cuts, running behind the hoops, all that. Uh, we're keeping an eye out for it, so it should be a great match, and uh, I'm happy. To, I'm ready to go. Well, good luck. Well, this is the first time I've had an eye-to-eye contact with somebody today, so I'm glad <laughs> to have it. All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, definitely. Good luck. Okay, and now our second interview was done by Eric further down the East Coast in Orlando at Harry Potter Home Entertainment Celebration. Eric, uh, intro this one for us. Yeah, this one, uh, this is the interview with Arthur Parsons, who's the game director behind Lego Harry Potter years five through seven, and also the first game, which was Lego Harry Potter years one through four. And, uh, he works over at TT Games, and basically, it turns out he's been, you know, doing this. He's been working on video games for like 12 years, so he's a total veteran. Nice guy. 
And uh, we interviewed him for about 15, 20 minutes about this new LEGO game. And I know Micah and myself, we had played the first game. And we were really excited to get our hands on the sequel, which came out uh, last Friday. So it's the same day that all this stuff happened with... Uh, the movie coming out on DVD. They also released this game. And it's just a really cool interview because the, he's, you just hear his passion. Uh, Arthur is so very passionate about the Legos, uh, you know, about the Lego video games, sort of the improvements they've made to the original game, and also the fiction. He said, uh, you know, there were many points in the interview where he said, you know, this happens in the books, and so we just had to get it into the game. And uh, I think the other thing that was cool about uh, the weekend was that he had the Lego game set up on two sort of two displays in the press area. So all of the press, it was like in the hospitality suite. So everybody who came in to sort of sign in, check in, got to see, got to play the game as well as some of the actors. Uh, so he was tweeting about, you know, the actors coming in and playing, you know, the, the Lego versions of themselves and stuff. So it was really cool and really fun game. Um, and I think just, yeah, just listen to the interview because it's, it's really, really good. All right, let's listen now. All right, I'm here with uh, Arthur Parsons. He's the game director at TT Games. So the game you've directed most recently, then, is Lego Harry Potter? Yeah, Lego Harry Potter, years five to seven. Um, uh, I also was game director on years one to four, so um, back-to-back Harry Potter games, which is brilliant. Wonderful. So you've done nothing in between. It's always, like, from one Harry Potter to the other? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we finished LEGO Harry Potter years one to four, uh, sort of May, June last year. Um, and uh, me and the team rolled straight on to uh, years five to seven. So we had a really good long time to, to make a, a, a brilliant sequel. So how has the first game succeeded? Uh, and sort of what were some of the, the fan reactions while you, I guess you were already working on the sequel when the first one was taking off? Yeah, the, 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 the great thing about Years 1 to 4 was we, we did something new with it where we wanted the player to experience being a wizard, going to Hogwarts, going to lessons, learning spells, and just that whole sort of magical environment, you know, going around Hogwarts was so cool. I and mean, such a big change from previous LEGO games where you'd sort of had lists of levels and you could go. So, so fans uh, of, of Harry Potter loved the game because it was all about Harry Potter fans of the Lego series loved the game because it was something new. It, it had a completely different feel from, say, Batman or, or Star Wars or, or Indie. So, you know, it, it, it was successful because it was it was new and it, it kind of like, you know, shook up the Lego series um, with a with just this, this cool new feel. You could explore, you could wander into rooms, you, you know, you could just go to lessons, you know. It, 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 it's not an RPG, but you felt like you were Harry and, and you, you, you didn't know how to do your magic and as you progressed through the game you learned new magic, new spells, new abilities um, so we sort of built on that for years 5 to 7 um, to really sort of take it to that next step you know, people have been to Hogwarts and experienced it now they need something new, fresh and exciting so that's obviously where 5 to 7 comes in well, I know I, I, I love flying on the brooms and, and having that unique sort of character touches to the brooms in the first, in the first game. Uh, is there still brooms in the, uh, the sequel? Yeah, yeah, we've got brooms. Um, we've also got festrals, um, so you can fly around on those. Um, and it is, again, we've, we've, we've given every character a unique feel. Um, so whether you're playing as Ginny Weasley or, or Arthur or Tonks or um, Bellatrix, you know, every character feels unique. 
um, and every character has unique anima- you know Chonks for example if, if you stand there doing nothing she gets really angry and her hair changes colour and then it changes back you know, <laughs> because it's all stuff that's in the fiction you know yes. I, I, I know the films I know the books I'm a massive massive Harry Potter fan um, and so are most of the guys on my team and so we want Harry Potter fans to see all the little attention to detail you know Ginny Weasley has a pygmy puff um, you know Ron now has Pigwidgeon as a pet you know Lucius has a pet peacock it's all the little <laughs> things that, that people won't expect and, and it's like every time you play a character there's an, there's an extra surprise in there yeah um, can you play as the peacock yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. no, really? Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's like, you know, <laughs> you're Lucius and you're running around and you go click, 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 you, you get your pet out and this just this, this just bonkers peacock pops out and you can run around as a peacock. It's so cool. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the characters then. There, yeah. were, there were a massive collection of, of characters in the first game. Yeah. Have you improved upon it? Are the old ones back? Uh, what we did was um, uh, we, we love... We love bettering ourselves in the LEGO series. So in the first game, there was 167 free-play characters. Um, I hold my hands up. Some of those were like, you know, Gryffindor Boy or Ravenclaw Girl. Those or, are some of my favourites, though. We, they're, 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 yeah, they're pretty cool. But Years 5 to 7 has amazing characters, you know. So what we've done this time around, um, on the console versions, we have 200 free-play characters. Now, all of them are great characters. So whether it is Bellatrix or Professor Slowcorn or Umbridge, um, you know, whether it's Blaze the Beanie, you know, all the characters are there. And, and, and the cool thing is they all do cool stuff. You know, Professor Slowcorn, you can turn into an armchair. And it's just like, there's no need, but because he does it in the fiction, it's like we thought we'd do it in the game. So you get 200 characters, and uh, it was a bit, of, a bit of a job getting it to fit on a disc. But every character right. that, that a Harry Potter fan would want to play is in there. Yeah, even characters like the Grey Lady. It's just like, you don't, you don't expect to be able to play them, but they're there. And, and we have just crammed everything into it. That's amazing. So, um, obviously you guys reference the books a ton. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, is it... But they, I think the movies, the games, because a lot of us are very visual since the movies have come out, the games seem to follow the movies, but yet there's so much from the games in. So, if years, Harry po- uh, years 5 through 7 in Harry Potter, is it sort of a fourth, is there a fourth year in there because of the movie split with the yeah. final film, or, or how did that affect like content or direction of the game? Um, well, we, we, what we wanted to do is, the first game was, was massive, it was a really big game. Um, the films, clearly, obviously, Death and Hell is split into two. So what we've done, again, you know, internally, it was like years five through eight. Like obviously, there's not an eighth year, but yeah. there, there's six strong, solid story events for year seven, uh, Death and Hell is part one, and then there's another six for Death and Hell is part two. So the game is, is actually, it's actually bigger than the first game, um, but there are still 24 story events in there, and there's something like 16 lessons, um, and then there's all the, obviously, exterior areas, whether it's the, the forest when you're camping in the tent, um, whether it's London, King's Cross, uh, you know, Godric's Hollow. The huge amount of real estate in this game. Um, and, and from a, a direction point of view, we wanted to make sure that, um, it, like say, visually, people relate to the films. But from our perspective, we... We're not just sort of aiming the game at, um, at, at say, kids six to twelve. They're going to they're going to know the films, but we also have to cater for fans, and the fans know the books. You know, the fans know the books like in incredible detail. 
So for us, we, we, we're dealing with kids and fans of the Lego series, but also scouring the books for every little detail. We managed to get stuff in there for, for fiction fans because these are the guys that, as they're playing it, they'll see something, and it, it may be the tiniest little thing we've added, but they'll be like, that's so cool. You know, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. that from the book. Or, you know, I, I can't believe they've added this in. And so we try and meld the two together. That's good. I mean, I, that was my reaction to playing the first game. Was I cannot believe that somebody else has read the same book I have. Because it's, <laughs> because it's, and thought to turn it into a game. Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that recognition that, that rarely comes from, from video games. You know, just sort of the, the deeper perspective. And, and, and just the, we get you. you yeah, know, We're absolutely. fans too sort of thing at all. And, and I, I think that's something too with the interactivity because of Lego, it's fun, it's just inviting, and people are just going to be completely surprised every time something like that pops up. Yeah, we, we, we'd hope so. And, yeah, and, and you know, if, if Harry Potter fans like the game, it's a job well done. You know, we, 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 we will be happy if fans of the fiction are like, this is a great game. This, this really does justice to a great series of books. Um, so. What year, uh, five to seven or five to eight, yeah, was yeah. the most challenging to produce? Was there, uh, you know, sort of something difficult, or um, maybe it's the most like areas to go to? Or I, I, I guess definitely Hallows um, Part One was the trickiest because um, because there's, there's no Hogwarts, and it's like you know Harry, Ron, Hermione, and obviously we're, we're in Ron's there, but they're on the run and. They're, they're not in Hogwarts, so we had to think about that and go. Well, how are we gonna how are we gonna tackle this? Um, so what we've actually done, um, and it's really cool, is um, we have a, like an exterior forest area, and it unlocks throughout the course of Deathly Hallows Part One. Um, so the tent moves around the area. You can go in the tent, and it's a cool area, and you know, like you can do the the cool uh, Harry and Hermione dance, which is ace. Um, yeah, well, it's so cool. But in order to make sure people can go to Hogwarts, because we still want people to be able to go and do free play stuff, um, if you go into the tent at any point in, in Death Alice Part 1, you can go to the table and there's Marauder's Map, open up the Marauder's Map, and then the camera zooms into the map and then comes out in Hogwarts and you're playing as Ginny and Neville and Seamus um, and Dean Thomas. And I really just got Hogwarts. chills. I really just got chills right now. <laughs> and, and so it means that, yeah, Harry, Harry Ron, Hermione can't go to Hogwarts, but everyone else can. So we, 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 let, we let you go and play Hogwarts as though you were uh, you know, the rest of the cool crew. Um, and then at any point you can just pop back and, and progress the story. So that was quite a challenge. Um, to sort of link that up, as well as being able to sort of go back to London, um, you know, go to the cafe and fight Dolohov um, and explore around. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's that. You know, we're all very proud of the fact we managed to tie that in and make it still feel like the rest of the game. But it was it was it was quite a lot of like you know sleepless nights and scratching our heads and you know sure. we need to do this right and and we managed to do it right thankfully. So uh, Voldemort, obviously big difference from the first game. Now he's he's everywhere. He's back, fully formed. Yeah. And I saw the advertisement that appears on the Blu-ray, the um, where he's looking in the mirror and Bellatrix. Yeah, the game face trailer. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's absolutely cool. hilarious. Is he scary? Is he still a villain in this game? How have you, how did you sort of manage? Because he's a very dark character in the book. Yeah. How did you handle sort of the transfer? Well, there, there's some um, there's some really quite quite spooky moments in the game 
Um, so even just like at the end of year five, when um, uh, you had the showdown in the ministry, um, Voldemort there, he, he has like, he, he just has this, this like really evil face. Um, and the, and the cutscene scene done a fabulous job of, of like bringing him to life. And so we, we kind of mix him with like the, the more serious side, but also with a little bit of like a goofy side as well, because you know, at the end of the day, it's fun. We want it to be fun and funny, but we kind of melded the two together. You know, there's some fabulous, fabulous shots where um, you're interacting um, with Voldemort because we have a lot more interaction with him and obviously all the other bad guys for years five, five, six, seven. Um, so we've, we've tried to really create um, a menacing character without losing the fun and humour. And I think as people progress through the game, they'll really enjoy every time they come across him. Um, and even like the Dark Mark, the Dark Mark in years five to seven is immense, it's so menacing, so spooky. You know, you've got the, 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 the cool Voldemort smoky monster um, uh, in the section by the lake where they crack open the locket. Yes. That is like, you know, when I first saw what the, the, the art guys did for that, I was just like, wow. That, it's just like, this is just like far more advanced than a Lego game. It's like proper sort of spooky and sinister, you know, and then you've got like um, yeah, uh, Harry and Hermione coming out of the smoke and, it, and you're just like, whoa. And then obviously you do a Lego thing and you create these crazy fans to like blow, blow them away. Oh. It's really cool, really cool. How does Malfoy Manor look? What's uh, sort of the... Is that, is that a playable area? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, right at the end of year seven, we have a story event set in Malfoy Manor. So um, you're running around the forest and uh, you get caught by the Snatchers and then they sort of take you back to Malfoy Manor. Uh, you know, Harry gets uh, this, the, the stinging jinx on his head, so his head turns into this big red block of Lego, which is really funny. Um, and then uh, you go and get taken down to the cellar by Peter Pettigrew, and you're there, and you, and you get to play as Luna and Ollivander um, and, and Harry and Rom, but you've got no wands, so you're kind of you're exploring the cellar, and then eventually Dobby arrives and, and like knocks Peter Pettigrew out, and then you go up to the main area of Malfoy Manor, and you get to duel, and it's so cool because we, we've really tried to keep to the fiction, but at the same time have a great deal of fun with it. It's really really funny. Um, speaking of Gringotts, was sort of a power up area in the first game. So yep. how is that going back to you know to just break in? Is it, how did you sort of mend the two environments between? The games, like well, what we what we did was um, because we wanted it to feel new and fresh. Diagon Alley was completely rebuilt this time round, and so you, you we 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 turned it round 180 degrees. So you're looking up towards Fred and George's joke shop. Um, so in year five, there's no joke shop. There's just all scaffolding and stuff. And then in year six onwards, the joke shop's open, and you can go in and do cool stuff in there. Um, so with Gringotts, what we've done is by switching it round and having the camera at the other end. The player isn't like, they're not really aware of Gringotts. And then when you get to the start of Death Hallows Part 2 and break into Gringotts, you get to go down a cool minecart section, uh, you get to go and break into Bellatrix's vault, you then get to go and ride on the dragon, blasting all the Ministry Guards. And it's just like, we've just tried to do the fiction justice, um, you know, the, the best way we can. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's so funny, you know. Um, you, you, you're racing around and just you're having fun at the same time as, as like seeing all these key plot points and you're like yeah I remember the, yeah, yeah, this, uh, and, and 
playing it as a Harry fan when we finished it, I was just like, this is right. This, you know, this this is as it should be. So hopefully everyone will see that. So uh, Lego has also done a game, uh, Lego Indiana Jones: The Adventure Continues. Sure. Will there be an extended another Harry game? How will that, or the Clone Wars <laughs> with the Clone Wars for Star Wars? Will there be another Harry game after this? I I I, I really don't know. At the minute we are so fully focused on now we've done the game getting the game out yeah. so that everyone can enjoy it yeah. um, we, we're not we're not looking any any further ahead than, than right now we want everyone to go out and, and play the game really enjoy the game um, and we're just going to have a massive holiday because we're all really tired <laughs> oh uh, yeah are you well you're obviously a big Harry Potter fan have yeah, you signed absolutely. up for Pottermore at all, or I—I'll be honest with you. I missed the deadline, the early <laughs> deadline, because I was in work, like 15 hours a day. I, all the guys on the team, you know, we, we, we had—we didn't have weekends off. We were just—we were just so focused on the game. We just missed everything. Um, so now that we've got like a bit of quiet time, I'm sure we're all going to be signing up and just you know interacting like every other Harry Potter fan. Just, just, just. You know, trying to catch up with the world as well. You know, oh, everything yeah. that's going on. So, yeah, it, we, we've been locked away in the office, and um, that's good to hear good for to us. I think because it means that there's that much more attention. Yeah, that we cared absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then on Twitter, I saw your your image. Were you Luna for Halloween? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that that was uh, that was just like a, a joke in the office. Um, uh, someone someone uh, came to Wizarding World on holiday and brought me back some Spectre Specs because obviously we've got Spectre Specs in the game uh, and it was just like I had to put them on and uh, we have a Bond wig um, it's like this sort of um, who, who, whoever sort of makes a boo-boo at work they have to kind of wear a Bond wig and a dunce cap and so I just <laughs> so I dressed up as Luna um, so yeah why not it's a bit of fun isn't it <laughs> it is um Thank you for your time. No, not a problem. Been Pleasure. Really wonderful. And let's try the game. Yeah, absolutely. We will. Okay, so those were our two interviews. Like we said at the beginning, this was our special mini of sorts MuggleCast episode, catching up on some uh, news. And overall, Eric, how was Harry Potter Home Entertainment Celebration? It was really exciting. You know, I didn't know what to really expect because it's like, well, it's the last film on DVD. Is that a is that cause for celebration? But when you get these people together uh, under one roof, and I think that was something that became evident in the the press um, junkets that they had, uh, you know, was that you get these people who shared such, you know, 10 years of experience and it doesn't matter if, you know, the final film's on DVD or if they're just meeting for coffee. There are going to be stories that are told, you know, and there's going to be stories that resonate. And so to have a, a, a whole room full of press, get to talk to them even again, it just felt like a, a really cool thing. And, you know, the, the other cool thing is that they really dressed up the Wizarding World Park really nicely. And, uh, you know, Andrew, you can... You can Say what it's like when they, you know, you were there for the the park opening, uh, but just but just seeing the Wizarding World of Harry Potter with a red carpet through it is really something cool. Yeah, and in a way, you know, you said it's kind of like an ending of sorts, but it, it's sort of a beginning. It's it's celebrating the beginning of the future of Harry Potter, which is home entertainment. <laughs> in the, you know, no, it's no longer movie theaters. It's really all about home entertainment, and not to say, I mean, I'm not saying there's going to be some big home entertainment stuff to look forward to other than maybe that definitive collection next year. But, uh, 
you know, I, it, it is a kind of a beginning of sorts. Yeah. A new era in Harry Potter. And you Potter. look at the fact that it's been 10 years this week since Sorcerer's Stone was released. So, and Andrew, I know you've talked about how you think that this is something that they can really continue to do year in and year out, have an event at the park similar to this where cast and crew show up and celebrate the, the films. Yeah, I mean, clearly, like Eric was saying, it, it was a success. It was a lot of fun. A lot of actors turned out. Uh, I questioned some of their choices. <laughs> what? Whose choices? Stars who came. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Stan Islav, the guy who plays Krum, he was awesome. Which is, like, very. <laughs> I'm sure he was cool and nice guy. Just these these random choices. I don't know, but um, yeah, no, it, it's a cool event. I could see it being a yearly thing. I I don't see why Universal wouldn't be interested in such a thing. Yeah. And and Eric, you got the chance really quickly to interview several other of the cast and crew members one-on-one in addition to the coverage that you did at the the press conference and the red carpet right yeah yeah it was really cool um those were sort of print interviews that i'm that i'm working on getting up uh, it's just been kind of a busy week uh but yeah uh we spoke with uh warwick davis um we spoke with him again on the red carpet and and also director david yates who actually uh we asked him about the the oscar coverage and i have to say andrew you know you got that bug in my head about talking about the oscars with him but that was the only thing i could talk about with him once i actually sat down i was like what's happening with the oscars and so we got we got some we got a, an interesting response uh from yeah, he said he really uh is not uh not he's he'd be in support of of fans trying to push uh along with the studio for for the Oscars. Neat. So Neat. that was really cool. All right, so this has been MuggleCast episode two forty three. Our next episode two forty four is our big Deathly Hallows part two DVD commentary, and it's got a, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. So until then, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull, and I'm Mike Tannenbaum. See you next time for our DVD commentary episode 244. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.